0: This third episode in our arts series is entitled In Your Seat and On Your Feet, so get ready to meet Rachel Barr, a dancer who has become a researcher and trailblazer in making dance more accessible to people living with dementia in community settings and even in their own home. Rachel joins our host and curator for this series, Lisa Loiselle, in conversation. Today, we're gonna be talking about the
1: importance of dance and movement in the context of dementia. So Rachel, I was wondering, uh, can you just tell me a little bit about your involvement in dance?
2: Sure, so first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show today. I have been part of the dance community my entire life. I uh, danced recreationally as a child. I I then um, trained professionally at Canada's National Ballet School. Um, From age 11, uh, when I graduated, I I danced professionally uh, with the English National Ballet in the UK and and the Israel Ballet in in, uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. And when I decided to move on, I was thinking maybe I was going to go get into something else because I'd known dance my whole life and thought very much it was time to move on. But as I began my academic studies, you know, I recognized that the the dance was still so much a part of me. And I, started to to focus my research um, on dance. Initially, I was looking at dance and uh, how it affects the brain, um, which led me to um, involvement with dance for people living with Parkinson's disease. And that slowly developed into very much a focus on older adulthood and from there really, uh, you know, if you're focusing on older adults, obviously dementia is a a significant issue Uh, and that uh, brought me um, in in both through research and artistically through program development to um, dance for people living with dementia. Um, I've been part of a very collaborative team um, which has been Canada's National Valley School and Baker's Health Sciences. Their expertise is in geriatric care and and research and, and obviously the ballet school very much in, in teaching dance at the highest level. And we got together to imagine how high quality uh, dance experiences could uh, be made accessible to uh, people with dementia. Um, so uh, a lot of people have explored this topic and, and I had the great privilege of being part of a team that really had the opportunity to explore and, and develop our own approach to supporting people living with dementia and their communities um, in, in dance opportunities.
1: Wow, that's a, an incredible journey from where you started. So what did what was your uh, PhD?
2: Uh, what were your studies in? So my, uh, my PhD was focused, the dissertation project was focused more in uh, dance for people living with Parkinson's disease, but I've also been involved in a, a four-year research project specifically about dance for people living with dementia and specifically focusing on the ways in which it fosters social inclusion both for people living with dementia and their carers and and their communities and that's been that is the focus of my my postdoc actually um, where we've been uh, actually studying how it is experienced in communities what's interesting as well about the study is that we specifically have been studying it in uh, rural or non-urban communities where there's often less access to meaningful programming for people living with dementia. Since 2016, I mean, since this research project began, we've been doing it remotely. So, you know, not, I know a lot of stuff has pivoted to the remote version uh, because of COVID, but we were were actually doing it long before then. We've been asking all those questions. How do we meaningfully engage with communities remotely? And uh, we felt pretty fortunate that when it was time to pivot because of, of, of COVID, we, we had all this experience under our belt, specifically uh, knowing that there is a way to offer dance experiences to people living with dementia and their carers remotely during the pandemic. So that was, that was a very helpful, I think, um, step ahead that we had. Yeah, and,
1: and I want to explore that with you a little bit more because when you think about dance, you, you think about an in-person environment. So I, I do wanna jump back to that. Um, so you're talking about uh, Sharing Dance Seniors program, correct?
2: Yeah, we we're calling okay. it now Sharing Dance Older Adults. Sharing Dance uh, Older
1: Adults. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that looks like and, and how, that, how that
2: runs? Absolutely. So this is the program that um, Baycrest and Kennes National Ballet School developed together. The premise of the program, just to clarify for all, all the listeners, is about making uh, the joy of dance accessible to older people with you know, varying physical and cognitive abilities. Um, so we, we try to take, take out any clinical diagnosis from it and we have two versions of it, in your seat and on your feet. In your seat, as it sounds, is a seated class. Um, so done entirely from a seated position, but it's also, uh, so it's considering physical challenges but also cognitive challenges. So the presentation is slower there is more repetition, it is more, can be more follow along, although the other part of it is that it is very much based in, in, a, in a creative context, so there really is no right or wrong way for most of the content. Uh, it's not about raising your right hand or, you know, step putting your left leg out. It, it's There's no right or wrong. It's, it's usually there's some sort of creative cue, like, let's pick apples and reach up uh, to uh, or wherever your apple is you grab it um, and so it can be right in front of you or, or maybe there's an apple on the ground um, so really trying to, to maximize access and I'm saying this because this is very much in contrast to a different approach which would be more of an interventionist or dance therapy approach where the dance um, experience uh, is targeting something. It's either tar- targeting a, a physical challenge or a, a cognitive challenge or an emotional challenge. That isn't our, our approach. Uh, you know, as, as a ballet school, we, we really see the benefits of dance across the lifespan. It, it has been captured in research, but, you know, I've lived it. I know it. I, I, I personally don't need the, the research. And I, I think that there's a a very good reason why it has existed throughout human history across cultures, like why, why we dance as humans. So, the focus is much more on how do we make this joyful human experience accessible to people with different um, challenges and who are traditionally not able to access um, forms of, of dance. So we don't have one specific genre, although we are the ballet school. We, it's not, you know, we make some references to, to ballet, but, but it's not ballet. We use different types of styles, styles of music. What I have come to learn is that, uh, people have, uh, really specific, um, definitions of dance. You know, none of them are wrong, but none of them are the whole story. You know, we dance, I dance with my little kids, you know, around the kitchen, that's dance too. Um, we dance at celebrations. Uh, we dance romantically, you know, with our partners. We, there's so many different ways to dance. So I, I think all of that is, is, is included and considered. So that is our, that's our, our in your seat program. And then the same approach has been expanded to in your feet. So that's a program that's taught uh, from a standing position with seated options. Uh, so it's still specifically targeting older people with uh, some physical and potentially some cognitive challenges, but it is a bit of a faster-paced experience. Um, and there's more opportunity for the dancers themselves to learn and then, you know, um, make their own and uh, uh, less, less follow along as a chance to actually in the same way that a dancer would kind of learn the choreography and then bring it back and work on it and add a little bit more flair each each week. Um, so that that's currently um, the program. And we actually, we have two different ways to experience it. We have the group program, which we offer, um, which is often taken up in, in a long-term care facility or retirement home or a community center in, in a municipality. Those are running across the country really until the pandemic, when that, you know, gathering in groups became less popular, uh, but we also have our at-home um, delivery models. So those are shorter dance experiences. They're about 20 minutes versus a 45-minute group model, and those are designed for people to um, dance along at home, either alone or with their carer.
1: So are those um, live sessions? Are they pre-recorded? What does What does that look like?
2: Yeah, great question. So they are pre-recorded. Um, we come out with new content within a term often each week in our group, uh, our group sessions, we, we build it each week and then there is that opportunity for communities to provide feedback. So it's kind of like if you're in a term of the class, you're you're part of the group and we could have sites all over the country, but you're, you're part of that term. Mm-hmm the at home is a little bit more um, is, is also streamed it's, it's not live and the contents kind of um, delivered uh, per term but I'll just say that I know a lot of you know all sorts of different programs during COVID have immediately pivoted to the live you know the zoom or or a live stream and we actually we started like that when we back in in 2016 in a, in a rural community, and we, we quickly realized that it was it was limiting for several different reasons. One is, internet across the country is not stable, it's not reliable, and uh, we didn't want that to interrupt experience. And also time zones. You know, we are a national organization, and we were envisioning creating access across the country, so it wasn't very it wasn't very easy to understand how that was going to work with the live stream. And and we have found that. The video stream model, there's great value to that live experience, but the video stream allows people to do it on their own time. And uh, that's been the feedback we've had.
1: Right. Well, you were saying that one of the objectives is to be accessible. So, you know, you have a virtual, but with this, I'd call it on demand opportunities, it really does provide that accessibility to a lot more people. So in, in what other ways is this, um, have you tried to make this accessible or is it accessible to people living with dementia and their families?
2: Yeah, so that's that's a great point because we're continually continuously trying to make sure that that is our priority. Um, so as I said, as I described the program, it's designed to set participants up for success. So when it's not about you know, you know, and I've been in long-term care and I see the exercise programs that happen where it's like reach here and, and move there. And it, it's not about doing something specific. It's about engaging in the experience. Um, so we're sort of what, however you want to engage. And I've seen people, you know, tapping their foot, humming to the music or clapping for us. Often when I've taught in person, initially, some people will be Unclear that they're they're able allowed to dance. They think maybe we're doing like a performance for them because we're trying to kind of share our energy. So you're like, oh, you can join in as well. But that but some people just want to watch you and and clap Mm -hmm. for you. And so that there isn't one way to participate. One challenge we have is is encouraging carers. You know, first of all, not to correct their the person they're caring Mm -hmm. for. They they often want to do like, oh, it's the other arm, or you see them trying to get them to stretch it this way or or do it how the 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 dance teacher artist is you know explaining it and it's not it's not about that um at all you know when we do like bursts of of uh sunshine you know that could be anything to you know that could be you know hands opening up uh up to the sky or that could be you know drawing a sun or or rays of sunshine you could be stretching your arms out so that that's something especially for in your seat, which which was developed um, on people living with dementia that, that we've really tried hard to, to do. We're also, and this has also been from the beginning where we have really tried to uh, make it an opportunity for our carers to uh, have a joyful experience as well. Uh, so we make you, um, you know, if there's an uh, opportunity for um, two people to dance along, and you know, we make you—you know—you can look at somebody to make eye contact or play with the person next to you, but not in a way where they need to be the carers. Where it's it's a little bit more on an equal footing, where uh, again, it's just playful dance as opposed to one person, you know, helping the right. other person. So we we try to set the program up like that as well, and and we encourage you know in the streamed content and certainly in the in the live. Um, classes that, that, that I've uh, taught a lot of for carers to hear, you know, you can just dance along and have fun too, because mm-hmm. you're, the person you're caring for is, is, you know, they're doing their thing and, and, and it's time for you to dance as well. And when we have been able to convince carers to just uh, dance along, you know, we've had great feedback uh, in one long-term care facility, like the PSWs, they were just excited every time we, we came because they said, you know, we enjoyed for ourselves too. That you can do together, but uh, everybody, I think, you know, wh- who doesn't enjoy moving to, to music?
1: Exactly. That's a, it's a really interesting point you make about the um, care providers, the, I guess, formal care providers or the paid care providers in long-term care. Of course, this is going to be something that, you know, they would benefit from as well, and, and not just being there to support a person living with dementia, but in that Taking a step back from some very stressful work that they do and being able to, uh, you know, have that opportunity to just let go and and move.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's when you get to see the smiles on the faces, you realize how much fun they're they're having. Yeah. Um, but something else that we found, which was really exciting for me, was hearing back from the formal caregivers that they they were using dance like the outside of the dance sessions Hmm. so they would realize that somebody really liked that music or like like to move a certain way and maybe if that person wasn't having the best day they, they might try to pull some of those strategies um like some of those creative um images in another you know when you're you know trying to to dry off uh you know how do you move your shoulders to get the towel um help dry yourself off or or other other um, areas of their work where dance was actually sort of like a, a tool for them to use to to mm-hmm. make it um, of a more pleasant experience for for both them and the people they're caring for, and that to me really uh, is is very exciting because it's it's not just a dance class. Then it's actually sort of infusing a, a culture of dance within caring for our community, which, yeah. like I said before, you know that there's I really believe there's a reason that dance has been around. You, for so long and I, I think it is just very adaptive and, and it's, it's a joyful experience for, mm-hmm. for
1: me. Yeah, and it, it almost sounds like um, there's that sense of empowerment too um, for, for everyone, right? For the, the people who are living with dementia, just empowered to you know, express in whatever way they want, but then also for professional care partners to you know, like you, like you said, to give them strategies so that they can then enhance the experience of uh, their push, the person living with dementia, the people that they're supporting as well.
2: Yeah, um, I, I just wanted to add to that, you know, one of the things that we've been looking at in the, in the research was maybe how how dance actually is able to challenge some of the stigma around dementia. I mean, some of the, the experiences I've had where, you know, a formal or informal carer said, I didn't know she could move like that. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know she had that in her. Um, and, and maybe they can't, the person has lost their their language, isn't able to speak anymore, but then you see them dancing and you're like, oh no, she, she's got a lot to say. And so I think that that's one of the inherent components of dance, it's a form of expression, but how actually for for this community, for people living with dementia, it is does sort of challenge know some of the things that you may you may assume about somebody um, and how that can actually you know even things a little bit out between uh, let's say a a person living with dementia and the person there uh, that's caring for them um, which can be very uh, I think empowering.
1: Um, So you had uh, you had mentioned earlier that um, you know the benefits of dance you see across the lifespan so can you talk a little bit more about that? So the benefits that you see in uh, people with dementia, but in, you know, in older adults in general?
2: Sure. So, I mean, you know, to talk broadly about dance in older adulthood, I mean, we could focus first on, you know, the, the outcome research, which is basically, yes, there are physical benefits because it's, you know, it's physical exercise, but dance is such a sophisticated form of, of movement in that it's not just, walking on a treadmill you know you're trying to you need to coordinate your movement to your music different ranges of motion most forms of exercise typically only move forward whereas dance moves like on all you know in all directions mm-hmm. on all levels so it's it's you know far in a lot of ways more a lot more sophisticated for the brain in terms of challenge so you have the physical and and the cognitive and then there's of course the emotional component right like you feel good really you know after any form of exercise, but uh, you know, with dance, there's an opportunity really to process emotions and express them as well. So that 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 artistic component, I think, um, additionally enhances the the emotional experience. And these are things that have been uh, captured in in the research with different um, older adult populations. There's a lot. I would say the strongest body of research is with uh, in older adults. It is with people living with Parkinson's disease. Mm, okay. um, I think it's the, the, the way that the disease uh, develops it's, its progression, but it, it's also a movement disorder. So there's that connection from a methods perspective. It's, it's an easier population potentially to study because especially initially, uh, the cognitive challenges are, are not uh, necessarily there. But that being said, I mean, we, the, the inherent benefits of dance you see across the, the lifespan. It's the same reason why you want to put your children in dance it's good exercise it's good for their creativity it's you know thinking you know um differently about movement uh, it's social engagement and that's also something that's huge in older adulthood where there's some research about but it it tends not to get the attention i think it deserves and, and you know one of the reasons our, i think our project has been focusing on social inclusion um is because it's it's uh it's quite profound but it's it's often uh, you know, you want to, the focus has been on like the physical or the, the cognitive or behavioral outcomes. And it's sort of been missed, I think, because it's so obvious, because there's, you know, dance is inherently social, I mean, depends how it's, it's presented, but especially in a group. So, yeah, I, I think it, uh, it's kind of, I say, like, you know, if you're going to engage in, in one, in one activity, I, I find that, you uh, you, and you want to the most bang for your buck, if you're focused on that, then it is, it, it, I, I mean, I have obviously my bias, but I do think it is dance. I do, do think it is dance.
1: So coming back to the piece about social inclusion, and we um, started off talking about, I said I would come back to this, and so when I think about dance, I think about um, it being a, a social activity and, and to me, when I think about your the program and it being a virtual program, how do you see that social inclusion and, and social interaction work in a virtual environment?
2: Yeah, so no, it's, it's a great question. And And to be honest, Lisa, when we started to pilot the program, the video stream version of it, we developed it in person and then we said, okay, now let's try this version out video stream and we you know our initial pilot was with um a group of people living with dementia in in manitoba i I remember thinking like i i'm not i'm not sure if this is going to work if it's going to the 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 dots are going to be connected um it's 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 hard to understand like you know who is that on the screen versus who's in the room but we were very very happily surprised at at what it was doing which was it was providing i think a platform or a context for the people in the room to connect with each other. And, you know, there's one ex- example in, in uh, uh, a paper that was published this past fall in the Gerontologist about our work, where you have a, a, a couple, a, um, a husband and wife, um, you know, the husband's living with, with dementia and they're, uh, they're doing a dance and they're, it's, you know, they're riding a bicycle in the dance. And so they're joking around, you know, um, and laughing like, oh, I'm going too fast. And, you know, the, he, he jokes like my bike crashed and, and they're having a laugh. Um, and it, it's just fun and playful. And I think what the dance program is, is doing is, is just creating the space for that to happen where it's not just this, you know, go through your motions of the day. Um, so I really, I, I think that that, that that can't be, Minimize and how important it is that, that there's there's space and and room and and uh, opportunity for those um, moments to happen and that that's really what I think it does virtually. Do the participants also engage with the dance teacher on the screen? Yes. Um, so in our research, we have you know where we've studied like how they're interacting with the dance instructor. They are engaging. Some of them may not even realize that. Um, because it's video streamed, that the, the dance teacher doesn't see them as well. Um, but because the dance instructor is talking to the dancers, there's this acknowledgement that, that there is a relationship, um, that our dance teachers, even though we're in downtown Toronto, we, we, we know that there are people out there across the country following along and, and we're talking to them. So I think that that plays a role, but, but really it, it, it also, the, the biggest component is that Um, The dance teacher is setting the context for the community uh, to engage with each other.
1: Yeah, thanks for your time and your your wisdom and, and sharing all about your program with us.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lisa.
0: This is such a good idea, and the link between cognition and movement is intriguing. As we learned in our episode 34 with Laura and Carol, socializing and simple fun are important parts of active living especially for people living with dementia, when isolation is such a risk. Dance is a great way to do it all. You can learn more about Rachel and these programs by going to our note accompanying this episode and to our website, dementiadialogue.ca. If you know of dance programs in your community, write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca and we will post the information on our website. Be sure to turn in to our next episode on the arts when Lisa talks with Simon Law about music and dementia. And thanks to the folks who participated in our first focus group that met last week. There's still time to join an upcoming group. Write dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca for more information, about how you can participate. We need your ideas on how to improve our podcast and to reach more people. Thanks to the Centre for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. My name is David Harvey.